0: All elite wrestling finally made its long awaited, overly analyzed, overly dissected, constantly talked about TNT American Cable debut. And finally, we have something we can watch week to week as opposed to speculating, as opposed to rumors on the internet, as opposed to saying AEW will succeed, AEW won't succeed. Finally, we have gotten to the point where it is put up. And shut up time, or shut up time, for AEW. And I gotta say, this debut episode, it was eventful. It had some oh my god moments. It had some, what the hell was that? But, overall, a damn memorable show. And I'm gonna recap it here, from top to bottom. What's up folks? Fred Ricciani, TSC. We cover pro wrestling, MMA, and everything in between. If you're new here, please consider subscribing. And uh, if you are uh, somebody that's been here before, please feel free to share this video with all your friends and leave a comment below on the live stream if you're watching it after a fact or listening. Thank you very much. There was so much to keep up with because for those that don't know, this wasn't just the debut episode of All Elite Wrestling Dynamite on TNT. This was also the debut two-hour edition of WWE NXT on the USA Network. Not like the gimmick they've had the last couple of weeks where... First hour airs on USA, next hour airs on Deddy B Network, if you'd actually get Deadly Network to work. No, for a full two hours, actually a little bit over, on USA Network. In fact, I think NXT is actually still going on as I'm recording this, but, uh, you know, I, I only got two eyes. I only got two hands, so we'll, we'll uh, patch in those NXT final results when we get them. But, man, let's not waste any time here. Let's dive in. We started things off with a video package with some blaring music. A lot of pyro, a packed crowd in Washington, D.C. They straight up sold that NBA arena, the Capital One arena, home of the Washington Wizards and what's left of uh, John Wall and the Wizards' playoff hopes. Sorry, folks. I'm just keeping it real here. And we had Cody Rhodes open the show, taking on the young, the talented Sammy Guevara. Now, I haven't seen a whole lot of Mr. Guevara. I've I've seen some highlights here and there on YouTube. He looks relatively impressive, and they had a really good opening match. Cody Rhodes came out With all the pyro, he he looked at DDB's pyro budget. He said, you know what? They've barely used pyro in the last two years. I'm going to take all that pyro and use it for my entrance. And hey, why not? If I was a VP, I would do the same thing. Came out with Brandy. He was looking phenomenal. And these two proceeded to have a really good match. A lot of back and forth action. A lot of flips and, and great agility from Sammy Guevara. These dudes kicked out of everything. There was a big spot where Sammy Guevara hit a Spanish fly off the top rope on Cody Rhodes. Cody kicked out. Cody had Sammy Guevara with a reverse DDT off the top rope. Sammy kicked out. There was also a point in time where Cody was going for a dive, a rare dive by Cody. And Sammy put Brandy Rhodes in front of him. Cody accidentally wiped out Brandy, And from there, I thought, okay, this match should be over right now. Cody Rhodes should flip his lid, pick up Sammy, beat the crap out of him, hit the crossroads, go home, one, two, three. But instead, this match kept going. And look, as a match, it was not bad at all. It was very exciting. Crowd was hot for pretty much everything tonight. So props to that DC crowd, the AEW faithful. I mean, they brought the energy tonight. But I did feel like after a while, it did kind of go long. Because you got to remember something. If you don't know this, or maybe you need to be reminded, Cody Rhodes is challenging for the AEW World Championship at full gear next month, Baltimore, Maryland, against the reigning, defending, undisputed champion, Chris Jericho. If it takes him over 10 minutes to beat Sammy Guevara, in some people's eyes, they may say, well, why should we take him seriously? Now, it's nowhere near as bad as Adam Cole take, or I'm sorry, Adam Page. Adam Cole, Adam Page, both wrestled tonight. It's not as bad as Adam Page a few months back taking like 20 minutes to beat Kip Sabian. And nothing against a guy named Kip Sabian who's really talented, but Kip Sabian ain't Chris Jericho. And by the time Hangman Page got to wrestle Chris Jericho a couple months later for AEW title, literally no one other than maybe his immediate family, and even then, bought him as a guy that could beat Chris Jericho. So that was my only real complaint about this match. Uh, The other thing too, the finish was cool. It was a lot of back and forth action, a lot of counters. Cody ended up getting the win with a cradle with a pinning combination. I love the fact they utilized wrestling moves and a wrestling match and a wrestling promotion to win. But what I didn't like was after the match, and I I know it plays into the ending later, but after the match, Cody and Sammy shake hands. The guy wiped out your wife. The guy almost killed your wife. and, And you're like, yeah, it's all good, man. Now, for people that watch New Japan and Ring of Honor... In AEW, they know that Brandy gets involved almost all the time in any of Cody's matches. Now, during the match, Brandy did slap Sammy Guevara when the referee was distracted, so she got some retribution. Although a slap is not equivalent to a giant man, well, what is Cody, like 200 pounds, flying into a a small young woman. Just saying. That was a little that that, that was a little awkward to me. That was kind of like when Triple H wrestled Sting at WrestleMania. And they shook hands after they tried to take each other's heads off. Like, Hey brother, I I hit you with a sledgehammer. Hey, I tried to hit you with a bat and end your life. Let's shake hands. Like, you know, it was just, it's one of those wacky wrestling things, but whatever. I get what Cody was trying to do. He was trying to put over Sammy Guevara as a serious threat. Sammy Guevara, pretty much an unknown in North America, outside of a few hardcore fans. And I thought Sammy held his own tonight. And I thought Cody did a great job of putting him over. I just think that for the opening match, they didn't need that many kickouts. And, and I thought the, the match maybe could have been cut short a, a few minutes. And also, too, Cody could have been like, yo, man, you, you hit my wife, crossroads, one, two, three. And then, after the match, Chris Jericho runs in, beats the hell out of Cody. Jim Ross goes, we got to go to a commercial break. They go to a commercial break. and <laughs> They do the thing where they have, like, the, the double box. So, so they they, they have the double box. And and in the, in the, it's kind of like similar to what they do with SmackDown Raw sometimes. And all you see in the in the small box where the AEW feed's playing is Chris Jericho just beating his ass. Beating his ass. Beating his ass. And it just keeps going and going and going. <laughs> so, and and, and it's, it's almost... It's going to like a, a comical degree here. It's just, it, was, it was pretty hilarious if you ask me. It's just like, okay. like all right, I go. Are y'all done? I, fe- I, fe- I felt like Birdman. Are y'all done or are y'all finished? It just kept... Going and going. But hey, it got the point across. Chris Jericho is a douche. Chris Jericho is a guy that wants to win at all costs. And he doesn't care if Cody Rhodes is 100% or 50%. Because at full gear by God, he is going to be retaining his world championship. Now, whether or not he actually will, that remains to be seen. Now, I've seen a lot of people complain as well about the fact that Cody Rhodes got the spotlight is all up in the videos, got the pyro and everything else. And I've heard some people compare him to Triple H and his prime when Triple H would come out and get all the TV time and all up in the videos because, you know, he's, he's in power. I, I will say this. As somebody that lived through all of Triple H's career, as old as that makes me feel, I got to say, Cody Rhodes is pretty damn over right now. He's really popular with this crowd. So while some people may still view him as that Deadly B Mid-Carter, while some people may still view him as Stardust, while some people may say, you know what, eh, He's not my cup of tea. The reality is, if you've heard the reactions he's gotten in all these AEW shows, his spot, forget his position powers of powers as executive vice president, his spot is more than warranted. Some really nice touches I, I liked on the show, besides the fact that you know, they had Pyro and a full crowd and a beautifully lit arena. I thought Excalibur, Tony Schiavone, and Jim Ross, yes, Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross on the same freaking team, I thought they flowed great. I mean, just. A very professional, a matter of fact, announced team. Minor complaint. I felt like Tony Schiavone brought up WCW Nitro a little too much. And if you're trying to attract young fans, 18 to 34 year old demographic, I'm going to feel old again by saying this. Not everybody watched WCW Nitro. Some people may not know Nitro even existed, which, yeah. Feel old yet? I certainly do. that's That's the only thing. But it was nice It brought a little bit of nostalgia in there. Talked about the first wrestling match on... TNT in, in almost 20 years. This was a, a nice touch. There was also a moment during the show when Chris Jericho was talking his game plan with his tag team partners, LAX. And normally in WWE and a lot of other promotions, the camera's just invisible, right? It's just randomly there. Uh, you, you know, there's, there's, there's a woman changing. There's a man changing or warming up. People are having awkward dialogue that they would never have on camera. And they just completely ignore the fact that the camera's there. Sometimes you see them standing and with, with weird angles like this. They briefly cut to Chris Jericho talking to LAX about their game plan. And then afterwards, they immediately cut away. And Jim Ross said, and it was a little thing you may have missed. He said, folks, uh, we're sorry for accidentally eavesdropping on Chris Jericho and uh, Santana and Ortiz uh, discussing uh, their game plan. Just a minor little thing, which I really liked. I also liked that, even though in the back of my head, I'm like, wait a minute, Cody Rhodes has all these friends and nobody's coming out to help him. It was nice to hear Jim Ross say, you know, I'm I'm really surprised nobody came out and helped Cody Rhodes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Jim Ross, for bringing some logic back to wrestling on Wrestling Commentary. I love it. But it was crazy because this went on forever. The Young Bucks and Kenny Omega did not come out to help Cody Rhodes. Maybe that will play into something down the road. I don't know. Uh, it still looked kind of awkward. I felt the same way about Rey Mysterio being killed by Brock Lesnar. So Rey Mysterio and, and his son, who still looks like a giant child, are getting beat up by Brock Lesnar and... No baby face comes out to help this, this beloved legend. Yeah, a little confusing to me. But Jericho also slammed Cody between two chairs. Those chairs didn't look like steel. Looked like they had a little bit more padding than your usual Deadly chairs, which was nice, although I'm, I'm sure it still wasn't great for his back. And yeah, that was our opening segment. A whole lot going on. We also had Jericho kind of steal the camera and do the whole thing where he does a selfie with the camcorder. So that was kind of cute. MJF, uh, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, defeated Brandon Cutler via submission. Pretty familiar with MJF. He's a young talent from the Creative Pro Wrestling Academy, uh, headed by Young Young, young Buck. Pa- Not the rapper. Pat Buck. No relation to Young Buck or the Young Bucks. He's from the New York, New Jersey area here. And Kurt Hawkins, current Deadly Superstar. Really great talent, if you haven't seen him. Phenomenal on the mic. Really good in the ring. I think he's still got a little bit of ways to go, but... He's only like 23, 24, sky's the limit for this kid. Came out, absolutely buried Brandon Cutler. Said he looked like a fan. He said that he looked like a fan who lost his way to his seat and ended up in the ring. And I hate to say this about Brandon Cutler, who I'm sure is a very nice young man. But MJF was right. Uh, Brandon Cutler did not look ready for primetime. This was a perfectly fine match to make MJF look great. He won with the Fujiwara armbar, modified armbar, got Brand Cutler to tap out. And, yeah, great showcase. I got no complaints here. We then had Chris Van Vliet at ringside. He's the guy you may have seen on YouTube do all those great interviews. Shout out to him. He's done a great job for a lot of years. He's now one of their correspondents. And he introduced Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes, a.k.a. Jay and Silent Bob. Big coup for AEW to get those guys to make a cameo on here. And so uh, they were interviewing. He was interviewing them when all of a sudden, Jack Evans and Helico, the dudes in the weird, brightly green outfits that looked like they came out of Jet Set Radio uh, from your old school Xbox, came out to confront them. And then Private Party walked through the crowd, walked by Jay and Silent Bob, and just stared them down. And they walked away. And oh, by the way, Private Party's wrestling Young Bucks next week. <laughs> this was random. A little awkward, but hey, at least they got their celebrity cameo in there. So I, I guess that's cool. We then had Scorpio Sky cut a promo like Barack Obama. SCU were dressed up as Secret Service members. They did their whole spiel where they say, this is the worst town I've ever been to. And, and normally they say that, and some people may not understand. Like, why are people cheering when they say that? But then Frankie Kazarian said... Not everybody can grow up in SoCal, so we're here to bring that SoCal love to here in D.C. So that made a little more sense. They're trying to bring some California love by also insulting your hometown. Okay, cool, whatever. I get it, I think. So then we had SCU be interviewed by Tony Schiavone. Uh, A nice touch, too, was all the announcers were wearing these blazers with the the AEW patch on it. Very old school, reminds the old school WCWNWA. Very, very nice old school touch. When afterwards, they were confronted by Pentagon Jr., and, uh, the, the, yeah, the Lucha brothers. And, uh, this is this was interesting. Cause it looks like they're Phoenix, why well, his name escaped me. They're, they're actually brothers, Pentagon and Phoenix confronted SCU. And it looks like they're going to be setting up a match down the road. We had PAC who, you know what? No offense to Adrian Neville, uh, whatever his real name is PAC. But I, I just got to say this right now. Okay. And I'm going to draw a line in the sand. I have the utmost respect for Pack. I have the utmost respect for his wrestling ability. I think he's absolutely fantastic, and he, he's, he's one, of the, one of the greats right now. However, however, it's Pac. Tupac didn't die for the PAC to become Pac. If you want it to be Pac, guess what? Put a little accent mark there, put a K, put two Cs, Maybe, maybe, maybe spell it like my Korean friends where you do P A K. That's PAC. But P A C is PAC. I'm sorry. X PAC, Tupac, PAC. It's not PAC, it's PAC. So anyway, PAC took on Adam Page. This is a really good match. I was really surprised that Hangman Adam Page and PAC was taking place tonight when I thought this could be saved for next week or the week after. I have a feeling this is going to be a reoccurring theme in AEW and. It's one I'm kind of not that fond of. They're going to throw these big matches away on TV. And it's great for the fans and everything. But sometimes you want to let it simmer. You want to have something to look forward to. Now, it's one thing for WWE to throw, throw out Matt Riddle versus Adam Cole. And a women's title match. And a tag team title match. And this and that and the other thing. But guess what? WWE's roster's rolling in like 300 deep. Okay? They could call a legend at any time and say, Yo, man, we got that Saturday money. Come wrestle. AEW, unfortunately doesn't have that luxury. Even Tony Khan talked about how the roster right now, I believe he told PW Torch, it's about 80 to 85% full. Now That's 80 to 85% full while producing a two-hour TV show each and every single week live on TNT, one of the top cable channels in America. So I would like to see them pump their brakes a little bit there. But hey, we got the match. It was a really good match. And the finish came... When Neville accidentally... Well, actually, he almost hit the referee. He stopped himself. Hangman went to grab him from behind. Neville... Or Pac. Pac. I'll just say Pac. Okay. I'll, you know what? I'll get the seat. I'll call him Pac. Hit a low blow. Afterwards, he hit the red arrow on the back of Hangman. You're thinking that's going to be a finish, but no. He locks him in the brutalizer, and Hangman... Taps out. It's like a modified crucifix or kind of like the twister. For any UFC fans that may have ever seen the Korean zombie lock in the, the twister on Leonard Garcia, forcing him to tap out. It's a move that Eddie Bravo perfected as well with 10 Planet Jiu Jitsu. Did it to perfection in a wrestling context here. And Hangman passed out, and Pac is your winner via submission. Yeah. 2 0 against Hangman and looking pretty damn good. And then we had a match where. I was talking to my friends, and they're just like, Fred, there's no way I could see Rio winning this one. I had so many people blow up my mentions and say, Fred, how are Rio and Nyla Rose going to have a great match? One, one is uh, you know, a heavyweight. The other one is a, a tiny little girl that's, that's 98 pounds. One's really experienced. One's not so experienced. Both on live TV. How the hell is this going to work? Well, Dr. Britt Baker, one of the AEW women's contenders, came out to do commentary. And this was a damn good match. Nyla Rose... Did dominate at times. Tried to get a steel chair involved. Tried to smash her body onto Rio's body onto some steel chairs. But Rio moved, and then Niall Rose just crashed and burned on the outside on top of those steel chairs. There was a big superplex spot as well with Rio. She ended up hitting the Shining Wizard to get the win. Just a huge, huge win. Actually, it was a more of a actually it was more of a, a double stomp. But huge win for Rio. Becomes your new AEW Women's Champion. I was also trying to keep up with NXT at, at this time, but from what I did see of this match, it was really damn good. Most importantly, it worked for the crowd. Crowd loved it, got behind Rio. I thought Niall Rose got over as a huge monster. Afterwards, huge, huge celebration. Rio's celebrating, has the women's title. I'm thinking, okay, this is a great moment, seminal moment for AEW. So what happens? This random dude comes out who I didn't recognize, but I remembered was Michael Nakazawa. He doesn't identify himself. He he's not dressed in a suit, and and he just says, "Yay, yeah, Rio, yay, yeah, Rio." And then he just goes, and, and before he could he could fully say, "Now I'm gonna sp- I'm gonna have her speak to our Japanese audience." Now Rose attacks him. Now Rose attacks Rio. Now power bombs Nakazawa straight to hell. She almost didn't get him up at first, but she lifted him up. Almost dropped him in his head. Lifted him up again. Bam. Slammed him down with the big Liger bomb. I was not the biggest fan of this because you only crown your first champion once. This is supposed to be a big deal. And to me, if somebody wins your world title for the first time, it's supposed to be a big deal. Let it simmer. Let let it breathe. If there's one complaint I had about the shows at times, they didn't let certain things just breathe and this was one of those times where I just thought okay have some confetti have some fireworks this is a big freaking deal she just beat a monster you could show a shot of Nala Rose angrily snorting and sniffling as she goes up the ramp you don't need to do the whole thing where she takes him out or you know, takes out you know, Nakazawa takes out uh, Rio Kenny Omega ran in and, and, and stopped Nala Rose from doing any more damage which I thought was a little weird because what do you want the big pop for Kenny Omega to be when he first comes out for the main event? Same thing with Jericho. It was a little weird. He came out during the, after the opener, but he, he also came out for the main event. I don't know. I, I personally would like to do a little bit of a less, of, less is more approach with my top stars. But at the same time, also get it. It's your debut show. You're competing against WWE head-to-head. WWE's running with limited commercial breaks and an overrun. Makes sense. I, I could see the logic. But me personally, I, I know when I like watch Raw, for example – Whenever Seth Rollins is in multiple segments, I feel like they lose their luster after each one. But this was good, and they told the story, too, that Kenny Omega trained Rio, and so, hence why he came out to save her. We then had our main event. Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks came out to the Being the Elite theme song, which you guys may know from the Being the Elite TV show on YouTube, which gets about 150,000 views per week. It's more on the humor side of things, but they've used it to further a lot of storylines and get over a lot of people. So they came out, Jericho with the former LAX, Ortiz and Santana came out of TNA fame. A Pretty good little six-man tag here. And then it just kind of went straight to hell. John Moxley stuck through the crowd, attacked Omega, and they just brawled to the back. And this was not a disqualification. So the match just kept going. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not hating on this I'm not I wasn't the biggest fan of it either but I do recall them saying that wins and losses do matter and this is gonna be kind of sort of like a real sports presentation and look throughout the night they talked about people being in contention and all that jazz they talked about how Sammy Guevara beat Cody Rhodes or even had a draw with Cody Rhodes that that would put Sammy Guevara in contention and that and, and that I liked so they did emphasize some sports aspect but Moxley got, I'm pretty sure Moxley got in the ring. They brawl. They go to the back. They brawl forever. And the match just continues. And one of my friends, Sky Anderson said, yeah, this reminds me of Nitro when they would have stuff going on in the back and a match in the ring. But it reminded us of the bad part of Nitro because I remember I used to watch matches, especially cruiserweight matches. That'd be really good with like Rey Mysterio or something like that. And then they'd cut backstage to show the NWO arriving in a limousine. They cut backstage to show, uh, you know, Hogan doing this or Hogan doing that. So I thought that kind of took away from the match and everything. But at the end, it didn't really matter because ultimately, Jericho and LAX took a, took advantage, destroyed the Bucks. Bucks fought their asses off, did a bunch of flips, did their thing, had the super kick party, had the crowd in the palm of their hands. But unfortunately, it was two versus three, and then it became three versus one and Jericho got the win with the Judas Effect spinning elbow. Shades of John Jones, although it's slightly slower uh, and less impactful than John Jones, but still impressive nonetheless. And afterwards, Jericho beat the hell out of the, B- the Bucks with LAX. Cody Rhodes ran out for the save. He got beat up. Uh, I should mention, too, that during this whole backstage brawl, John Moxley ddt its old uh, Dirty Deeds, like a version of Dirty Deeds, he Dirty Deeds, he DDT'd, he called it the Death Rider as well. Whatever you want to call it, he DDT slammed Kenny Omega through a glass table. Although, funny enough, it looks like John Moxley got the brunt of that because he went back first into the freaking glass. But, hey, I guess the gimmick is he's a madman. I don't know if he's fully healed from his elbow infection. I'm assuming he's close to coming back. But he definitely got pretty physical tonight. So afterwards, beatings galore. Cody Rhodes came out. Dustin Rhodes came out for the save. They, they were fighting the heels off. Sammy Guevara came out. Kicked uh, Cody Rhodes in the nuts. Beat him up. And then, out of the blue, Jake Hager, a.k.a. Jack Swagger, a.k.a. Undefeated Beltor MMA Fighter, came out, unleashed hell on all the babyfaces, joined forces with Chris Jericho. And I guess we're going to get a stable now of Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Santana, Ortiz and Jake Hager. I mean, Hey, I mean, whatever the, the nation of domination 2.0 looks lit, I guess. Uh, so that was the end of the show. Uh, there were a number of hype video packages for the full gear pay-per-view coming up on uh, November. I believe November 9th is the event full gear. AEW, I believe coming out. Yep. November 9th, Baltimore, Maryland, Royal farms, arena, I don't believe it's sold out yet, so if y'all want your tickets, uh, feel free to check those out at Ticketmaster or wherever you get your tickets. Next week, AEW, it's going to be the Young Bucks versus Private Party as part of the tag team tournament, which should be one hell of an encounter. So overall, I got to say, All Elite Wrestling Dynamite on TNT, the very first episode, October 2nd, 2019. Thumbs up, but with a bit of an asterisk. Thumbs up for a few reasons. The action was good. And you were on the edge of your seat. It was unpredictable. The production values were fantastic. The presentation was off the charts, especially leading into the, the TV show as well, with all the ads that TNT had been running on, on Twitter and all of social media. The promos are really good. The commentary is really good. I do think, however, though, they just try to do a little too much. Uh, you know, there was an old saying that with well, this one guy in on TV I used to work with named named Ike, who was out of his mind. And he'd always complain about this MMA show we worked on for Spike TV. He'd always be like, they're trying to cram 10 pounds of crap in a 5-pound bag. But in some ways, he, he, that analogy can be applied to certain aspects in life, and uh, especially wrestling. There's a lot of times where he tried to cram way too many things. And TNA's been notorious for this, especially during the, the Vince Russo era. The era, excuse me. I don't think it was this bad here. You know, I, I thought for a debut show, I get it. You You want to keep it going. You want, you want people to be excited. You want people to, to feel like it's unpredictable. That's great. But I personally, as a wrestling fan and somebody that watches a lot of wrestling felt like it was just a little too much. I needed to just let it breathe. It's a minor complaint. They slowly build upon this after all. It's their first freaking show. And for a first freaking show, I thought they hit a home run. Do I think in terms of match quality, it was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. This is as great as a uh, double or nothing or uh, all out or all in. No, I, I don't think it was. Oh my God. But was it a really good show that stood out, that felt different from WWE, that had its own unique flavor, that had its own unique blend, that had its own, dare I say, identity? Yes. And for that, I got to give AEW Dynamite, on Wednesday nights, a thumbs up. But let's hear what you guys got to say, because I know there's a lot of strong opinions here. Here we go. Okay. Fred, what do you think about Sammy Guevara? I thought he got a little too much offense against Cody. I also do think he got a little too much offense against Cody, but again, I see what they were trying to do. He's an unknown guy to most fans. They made him look like a star. I thought he looked really good. He was he was definitely taller and, and lengthier than I thought he was. I thought he was a small guy, but they even emphasized it during, during the broadcast as well that he, he's a relatively long guy for somebody that's a, that's a high flyer and was able to get to the ropes and everything. I thought he looked good. He's got a nice, youthful look, and... He's somebody now that's going to be aligned with Chris Jericho. That's a big freaking deal for him, and uh, I hope it sincerely works out. Terrence M. Sullivan, what's up, my man? Miami Hurricane, he says, I thought it was a hell of a show. Okay, Noe Liar says, today was a good day. The Wednesday Night Wars have begun. The Elite says, not, not the Elite you're thinking of, great day to be a pro wrestling fan. King Glass Review says, cool show, but WWE has nothing to worry about. Okay, He Crazy TV says it was such a great show. Claire Rogan, will Dean Ambrose fight Chris Jericho? No, Dean Ambrose, a.k.a. Jon Moxley, is going to be fighting Kenny Omega at full gear next month, assuming that his uh, recovery is on track. And based on the fact he went through a freaking glass table, I'd say that his uh, recovery is going relatively well. Okay. Chris Haminski says MLW is better. Okay, that that's a curveball. Hey, shout-out to MLW. I believe they're now airing Saturday nights on BN Sports, and they also air on YouTube. So if you Google MLW, YouTube search MLW, you'll be able to find them. they got some great talent. MJF is there. Tony Schiavone does commentary for them as well. And you got my main man, Filthy Tom Lawler, who I think is is an absolute stud, the Von Erich boys. Hey, a lot of great talent in wrestling. I I, I don't think... You know, it's a, this whole thing of like, oh, I'm an AW fan. I'm an AEW fan. It's cool and all, and it's definitely great for marketing. I'm sure it's great for AEW to market themselves as, hey, you're with AEW. Stay with AEW. But the reality is it's a great time to be a wrestling fan. It's also a rough time if you don't have a lot of free time because you got Raw on Mondays. You have, uh, you know, two, what do you have? What do you have Tuesdays? You have, I think it's like NW. I think they have NWA on Tuesdays. Something like that. There's, there's some independent shows. Oh, actually, Impact, I believe, is, is starting on Tuesdays. On Access TV this month. Wednesday, of course, you have AEW and NXT. Then, then you got thir- Thursday, there's some different like, independent shows going on. Friday, you got SmackDown. Saturday, you might have AEW pay-per-view. You might have a UC pay-per-view. Maybe you have a UC fight or a Bellator fight. If you're a boxing fan like myself, there's boxing on Saturday nights. And then Sundays, of course, are pay-per-views for JDB. A lot going on. Impact. And oh, ROH, I should say. But ROH airs on Mondays in, in certain markets. So, yeah. ROH, Impact. WWE and its myriad of programming, MLW, AW. It is a whole lot to keep up with. If we're keeping it real though, most fans are gonna pick and choose, and they're gonna figure out what the hell they like. If you're a WWE fan, you're gonna be conditioned to watch WWE. Most likely, you'll make NXT your least priority, even though it's also on on a Wednesday, not on a Friday. Uh, I still think if you're accustomed to watching Raw and SmackDown, you're still for the most part going to watch Raw and SmackDown and likely sample AEW. If you're somebody that's been a disenfranchised fan, I could see somebody mainly watching AEW and, and occasionally sampling uh, SmackDown. Of course, for as big of a debut as AEW is and a big of a deal as it is, SmackDown on Fox is a major game changer. Brock Lesnar versus Kofi Kingston, The Rock returning, Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, I think John Cena's on the show as well, Shane McMahon, Kevin Owens in a ladder match, loser leaves town. Really big deal and that, to me, I think is going to set the barometer more for where the wrestling industry is going to go in the next year rather than just AEW versus NXT, in my humble opinion. Now, I, I had a couple of people on TV predict to me that they think NXT may win the ratings battle overall, but that AEW may draw more in the coveted 18-34 to year demographic. I could absolutely see that happening. I also wouldn't be surprised if AEW actually just beats NXT outright. Now, it's not the end of the world for WWE, but... You know Vince McMahon's going to be watching NXT, or have watched NXT. You know he's going to be seeing some clips online of AEW, and he's going to be like, God damn it. Why aren't we in an arena? And he's probably going to move NXT eventually to uh, an arena, for better or worse. Now, the only people I see this being detrimental to in in some ways aren't the wrestlers, because the wrestlers are making more money because they have leverage now to maybe go to AEW. It's WWE. Because WWE already has a hard time retaining their audience they're down at a hard cores here and while they're going to be cash rich for a long time with these tv deals you got to remember burnout's a real thing i can barely get to a three get through a three hour raw most people can barely get to smackdown if they even can get through raw and then all of a sudden you're gonna have three hours of raw two hours of smackdown and then all the way on friday you got two hours of, of, of smackdown so raw nxt then smackdown hey oh by the way we want you to dedicate three to four hours on a pay-per-view uh, weekend yeah that's a lie it could go one way or, or it could go the other way hopefully it works out for all involved because when the wrestling industry is booming it's great for us it's great for you it's great for all involved and let's get to some more questions here do you think nxt or aw have the better show well byron i didn't get to watch a lot of nxt so i can't really say uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I only watch AEW for the most part, so I, I, I can't really say I'll, I'll let you know though, when I do watch it, he crazy TV says my ad came super late. So he only caught the last bit, but he loved it. And he's a diehard WWE fan. That's good to hear. You know, I had a lot of people that I didn't even freaking know were, were wrestling fans or laps wrestling fans text me and were like, yo man, when's that new wrestling show going to start? And I was like, tonight. And they're like, what's the name? Like, I got, I felt like I was AEW's publicist, like providing all this info it was, it was pretty cool. So, and I'm old enough to remember when WCW was popping. So it's nice to see that finally, 20 years later. Um, I do have the NXT results in front of me. Uh, these are courtesy of Scott Anderson, who uh, was primarily watching NXT. Adam Colby, Matt Riddle to retain the title. I heard this was a, a great match. I'm um, assuming Matt Riddle lost via some tomfoolery. I think the undisputed, yeah, I think the undisputed era did get the get involved here. So let's see or no. Was it a clean finish? I wonder. Huh? I don't I, I guess it was a clean finish. I don't know. I wouldn't have had Adam, Adam Cole beat Matt Riddle. I would have put Matt Riddle over. I think he's a superstar. Unless this is a way to get him on the main roster. I would have given him the NXT title, but Hey, that's just me. Finn Bauer made a surprise appearance and Finn Bauer said that he's now in NXT. So it looks like Finn Bauer is going to be an NXT full time. Wow. That is a huge deal. And as much as I'm going to miss seeing him on Raw or SmackDown, the reality is he's barely gotten to that world title level. And if he can get to that world title level, get an NXT and be a top guy, I'm happy because I'm a big Finn Bauer fan. Io Shirai defeated Mia Yim. We had Johnny Gargano defeat Shane Thorne. Shayna Baszler defeated Candice LeRae to retain the women's title. What? Uh, okay. All right, I, I would think the crowd they'd want to send the crowd ho- crowd uh, home happy a little bit right after Matt Riddle lost. But, all right, Shayna Baszler's reign of terror continues. I thought she'd be called up to the main roster. Maybe sh- maybe she should have sent up vacating the title like Oscar. Like Who knows? Pete Dunn beat Danny Burch, and the undisputed era beat the Street Profits to retain the title. So, big. Be- I guess a big night for the heels. So okay, Scott's telling me here. Wow, Tommaso Ciampa got in Adam Cole's face to end the show. So it looks like Ciampa is actually back. I thought he'd be out for a lot longer. Maybe, maybe time just went by fast. So, wow. So Ciampa is back, and I guess they're going to be doing Ciampa versus Cole in NXT. Still, I would have preferred Matt Riddle winning the title, and I, I think there's a lot more upside. No defense to Adam Cole, who's great, but I think there's so much more upside in Matt Riddle. I mean, he's a can't-miss star, and he just lost. I don't know. I got to watch the match before I make any real harsh judgments, but I'm not feeling that. I think Matt Riddle's too real to to lose. Okay, before we go, Bryce Englin, After watching AW tonight, what was your favorite match and actual storyline event of the evening? Good question. My favorite match was probably the women's match until the relatively simple story, small girl against the monster. Kind of similar to Gail Kim versus Awesome Kong. I think they tried to maybe replicate that a little bit, that historic match from TNA. And, and I, I really enjoyed that. I thought the crowd, I thought both the women made themselves look like stars. My favorite storyline event. Hmm. I, I mean, technically it's, it's a match, but it's an event that, that they keep protecting pack or Pac, And, and, and they keep uh, having him uh, continuously beating dudes with that submission and making him look like a serious threat. They've made this guy look like more of a threat in the last couple of months. And that B be had in, in like two, three years. So respect to AW Booking for booking this dude the way he should have been all along, as one of the best freaking wrestlers in the world. So I, I am digging that. Is there anything you'd like to see differently? Um, uh, maybe just some more educational video packages. I thought they had a lot of video packages like hyping the matches and everything. And I, I know they, they they did like a video package with Sammy Guevara and Cody before the match too. I just like to see a little bit more stuff, like maybe have like in depth like on the tag team division, which we'll do next week. Maybe have like some more like documentary-style pieces. Kind of like a, what NXT did a while back with Roderick Strong. I think it was called like Finding Roderick Strong. It was like a three-part series where they go to his home. You, know, you meet his wife. You, you see his kid. And he talks about coming up and being trained by the Warlord and Jim Neidhart. Like, I'd like to see more personality pieces like that. But, again, one show, the first show. And overall, I think they're definitely on the right track. But, folks, I'm going to get out of here. I hope you enjoyed this review. I just want to let you guys know, if you are in the New York area, I'm going to be at Comic-Con this Thursday. So if you're at New York Comic-Con, please holla at me. I'd love to talk to everybody. I'd love to interview you. Maybe you can end up on the TSC News TV show. Who knows? But we're going to try to make this AEW recap a weekly thing. And we appreciate you checking us out, watching, listening. However, you're consuming this right now. But if you enjoyed this video and this podcast. Please like, share. You can subscribe online on YouTube, on Facebook. Enable notifications. We're also on Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You name it, we got it. Until next time, everybody, I'm going to go get my voice back because i got a long day tomorrow. As always, enjoy the matches.